We're going through the book of Ephesians, and the book of Ephesians has some very exciting news for us. The book of Ephesians teaches that God wants to bless us. It's a major theme of the book is spiritual blessings. That's pretty exciting because we don't have to beg God for blessings. We don't have to try to talk him into it. We don't even have to suggest it. He's already acquired it and made it possible. He's just waiting for us to believe in faith and receive what he wants to give us. Now, when people think about blessings, a lot of times their mind immediately goes to wealth and health. And on occasion, God blesses people with those very temporary and significant things. But what the Bible is talking about here is about eternal spiritual things. And last week, the blessing that we looked at was the blessing of adoption. That's the first thing that's mentioned in the book of Ephesians is that God wants to adopt us into his family. If you ever grasp that and get a hold of it, it, it'll blow your mind. That God knowing everything that we've done, everything that we will do, everything about us, and still he wanted to bring us in to his family. Today we're looking at the second blessing that's mentioned here in the book of Ephesians, and that's the blessing of being redeemed, being redeemed. Now here's what that word means. In the Bible, redemption, being redeemed, refers to being, to being bought. It refers to being bought for the purpose of being set free. In our country, not too long ago, there was a time when we had slavery, and slavery was legal. And some people, even in spite of the fact that slavery was accepted by much of the culture, and it was completely legal, they believed that it was wrong. And so they would buy slaves for the very purpose of setting them free. That's the idea of redemption. And so the Bible says that God has bought us through the blood of Christ. That may not make any sense to you if you've not uh, heard of this before or read a lot of the Bible, but hopefully by the end of the message, it'll make perfect sense as the Bible explains what this looks like and what God wants to do with our lives. He wants to intervene in our crisis situation in which we are separated from him because of sin, in which our lives are, are wrecked because of sin, and he wants to free us from that. And that's what Christ did when he died on the cross. He made that possible because he offered himself as a sacrifice, a sacrifice that's able to cover our sin, a sacrifice that's able to pay for our sins, a sacrifice that's able to make us have the opportunity of forgiveness so that we can be brought close to God again. And so that's one of the spiritual blessings that God has given us. So Ephesians chapter 1, today we look at verses 7 through 10. So I want to ask you to join me in standing just out of reverence for God's Word as we read verses 7 through 10. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7, the Bible says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Let's pray together. 
Father, help us today to understand what you're doing in the world and what you want to do with our lives. I pray that we might grasp this concept of redemption through Christ and that we would receive it as the gift that it is. Lord, for the person today that's still caught in the trap of trying to pay for their sin, I pray today they might understand that you simply want to gift them with forgiveness and may they receive it in faith. For it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So God wants to redeem you. He does. He wants to redeem us all. Uh, Not everybody will be redeemed because not everybody will believe. Not everybody will receive this gift. But God wants to redeem you. Say, why would God want to redeem anybody? And it's because he is gracious. That's what the Bible teaches us here, that he is gracious. So God redeems us through the blood of God. Of Christ. Throughout the Old Testament and all of ancient Israel, uh, God was helping us to understand things. So we see many things that, that in and of themselves accomplished nothing more than they were great illustrations and teaching moments so that we might understand why we need redeemed and how we can be redeemed. Throughout the Old Testament, they offered sacrifices for sin. And God had ordered this, and God had given them very specific instructions about all this, how it was to be done. And so when a person committed a sin, there were sacrifices that had to be made. And then later in Hebrews, the Bible tells us that that none of those sacrifices paid for any sin. They were just a mere shadow of the real sacrifice that was to come. And yet what God was teaching them as they sinned and then had to offer a sacrifice and then they sinned and had to offer a sacrifice god was teaching them that sin leads to death and sin requires a payment so as they sinned they suffered loss as they took a choice animal of great value and then had to sacrifice it one Old Testament scholar talked about Israel being encamped around the tabernacle. And he said, for those that lived near the tabernacle there, they lived with the constant sound and smell of death. A constant reminder of the wages of sin. And yet none of those animals paid for anyone's sin. But here's what John the Baptist, the man who was called by God to be a prophet, to be the forerunner of Jesus, to prepare the way and get people ready to receive the Messiah. When he saw Jesus in John chapter 1, verse 29, it says, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and he said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, All of those sacrifices, all of those lambs that were offered, they merely pointed to the need for a sacrifice. You see, there was was the lamb of David. He had had offered lambs, but no sin was covered. He was just doing in obedience what God had called him to do, looking looking forward to what God was going to provide in the future. There was... Isaiah, Jeremiah, 
All these people that can read about through the Old Testament who offered lambs. But when John the Baptist saw Jesus, he said that this, this is God's lamb that he would offer. And listen to what he said, who takes away the sin of the world. Many people don't think they need to be redeemed because they don't think that they've sinned. If they have sinned, they find some way to explain it away. And so one of the great crises we have in America today is no one is responsible for anything and no one has ever done anything wrong. Perhaps you live with someone like that or met someone like that. They've never done anything wrong. And if they do get pressed hard about something they've done, they'll explain it away by comparing it to what other people have done. And I know that in this room today, there's some great people. We have people that are, have a servant's heart. We have people that have been pillars of our community. We have pe people that have served their families well. A lot of people in this room have done great things. And we would not have to look very far to find people in our community that could make us feel wonderful about ourselves by comparison. But that's the problem. The definition of sin is not to fall short of the glory of our neighbor. It's to fall short of the glory of God. He is the comparison. And when we see ourselves in light of who he is, that's when we begin to understand how far we have truly fallen. None of this is to make us feel guilty or, or, or bad or, or miserable. It's just to help us recognize our condition. And the only reason God wants us to recognize our addition is so he can immediately redeem us out of it. He doesn't want us to live in a life of just constantly feeling bad about ourselves, constantly thinking about the sin that we did in the past. He just wants us to admit that it's sin, just confess it is sin. And once we confess it is sin, we're able to be forgiven of our sin because Christ has already paid for our sin when he died on the cross. And so he redeems us through the blood of Christ. First Peter would also speak of this. First Peter chapter 1 verse 18 says, Knowing you were ransomed... From the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but listen to this, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. You see, the lambs in the Old Testament that were offered had to be without any kind of blemish or any spot because they foreshadowed Christ who was without any blemish or any spot. He was completely sinless. And that's why his death is different from everyone else's death. It's not because it was more horrific or more gruesome. It's because he didn't deserve to die. He was absolutely perfect. Acts 20, 28 the Bible will also speak about this in this passage. And when it's speaking about overseeing the church, it says, Be careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit made you overseers to care for the church of God. Now, now here's why the overseers are to pay careful attention. Because which he obtained with his own blood. So God redeems us through the blood of Christ. What Christ did for us is he poured out his life. And God redeems us through the forgiveness of our sin. In verse 7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. In the Bible, there are many different words for sin because sin is 
It's complex. There's all kinds of ways in which you can sin. And so there's lots of different words in the Bible for sin. And one of those words is trespass. And this word trespass kind of identifies one particular type of sin in which God has set a boundary. And God says, don't do this. Don't go beyond this. You can lust after your wife, but you can't lust after your neighbor's wife. There's a boundary there. To trespass means to go across that boundary and go into an area in which God has forbidden. And all of us have had times in our life when we've sinned against God. We have trespassed his commands. The Bible makes these, these blanket statements all throughout the Scripture about the universal problem of sin. Every single one of us have done this. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It says, for all we, like sheep, have gone astray. So everybody has done this. We have different particulars, but the same problem. And yet Christ he died to solve this problem. He, he died so that those trespasses could simply be forgiven. Forgiven. And God redeems us according to his grace. In the second part of verse 7, it says, According to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. You say, why, why would God want to redeem us? It's because he is gracious. He is gracious. He wants to give us things that we don't deserve. He wants to give us things that we can't buy. He wants to give us things that we can't work for. Because he is gracious. If you've received the gift of forgiveness, it's not because you deserved it or earned it. It's because God is gracious and he wants to give it to you. In the next chapter of this book, chapter 2, verse 8 through 10, listen to what it says about this. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. A lot of times people struggle with messages that they hear. And maybe you've struggled with this and you say, well, I, I wish he'd quit talking about forgiveness being a gift and salvation being a gift. It can't be just a gift. That's, that's trite and petty to talk about salvation as a gift. Friend, it's the Bible that talks about salvation as a gift. That's God's words. That's what he says. He says, it is the gift of God. So, so if maybe there was a message you heard and you thought, you know, it sounded really good, but it just sounds too good to be true, I'm not sure that it's really that simple, that God just wants to give us salvation, that God just wants to give us forgiveness. Well, that's exactly what the Bible says. It says it's a gift of God. It's a gift. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, 
which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So as believers, we, we do good things, but we don't do them in order to be saved. We do them because we have been saved. The Bible says God has created us for this, this purpose. So God wants to redeem you because he is gracious. And I want you to notice the second thing. God wants to reveal his will to you because he has a purpose for you. The Bible teaches us that God's will is a mystery. It's a mystery. And unlike a, uh, a murder mystery or novel or game or show, it's not something you can figure out. It's not something that you can deduce by putting together all the clues. The, the, the mystery of God cannot be known unless he makes it known to us. And so in verse 9, it says that he has made it known to us. It says, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. Now, Jesus would speak about this mystery being revealed in Matthew chapter 13, verse 10. It says, the, the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? So the disciples were with Jesus, and can you imagine what it was like at, at night to sit around the fire? Just listen to Jesus talk, teach. They'd experienced that. And then they would go with Jesus as he would preach publicly, and he would tell parables. And so they're together, and they said, they said why do you speak to them, talking about the crowds, in, in parables? And here's what Jesus said. And he answered them, to you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been given. Jesus said that, that God has secrets. God has mystery. And we cannot know these things unless he reveals them to us. In Romans chapter 16, it speaks about this mystery. It says in Romans 16, 25, Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation. And revelation means to uncover something. It means to, to reveal it, to make something known that was not previously known. According to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages but has now been disclosed through the prophetic writings, has been made known to all nations according to the commandment of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. So the Bible tells us here that there are things that we cannot know unless God reveals them to us. But praise the Lord, he has revealed something to us. And one of the things that he has revealed is that he wants to offer us forgiveness, the redemption of our sins. He wants to redeem our lives, and he wants to use us for his, for his glory. The Bible says here in Romans, to bring about the obedience of faith. So you say, What's, what's God's will for my life? A lot of people are very curious about this. We learned a long time ago that there are certain hot-button topics. If you want to draw a crowd, you just announce you're preaching on them. 
If you're going to preach on tithing, you just keep that to yourself and you spring them on at the last second. But if you want a bunch of people together, you say, tonight we're going to talk about how to know the will of God. That will always draw a crowd, always. People are curious about how to know the will of God for their life. Well, the Bible says here that part of God's will is to redeem you, to redeem you. He wants to buy you out of your crisis by paying for your sin by what Christ did on the cross, so that you can just be forgiven and you can be washed. And he wants to do it because he's gracious, and so he offers it as a free gift. This mystery he has made known to us through the Scriptures. The Bible said it was revealed through the prophetic writings. It was revealed through the preaching of Christ. And now in Ephesians here, it's talking about God's purposes being revealed to us, that he wants to redeem our lives. God's will, it's, it's according to a purpose. In, in verse 9, it says, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose. And that should be so comforting as we look out in the world and it looks like there's just so much chaos that God has a purpose. And so there's, there's, there's order to what God is doing, even if we can't figure it out because we can't see all the plan. So God has a design. So that means that our life is not random. He knew when you would be born. Who would you be born to? He knew what kind of gifts he would give you. He knew what kind of opportunities you would have. He knew what callings he would call you into. You're not an accident. God has a will for your life, and he wants you to be forgiven, and he wants you to redeem your life, and he wants to incorporate you into his plan. Because the Bible tells us here that he wants to unite all things in Christ. You see, in, in the world, not only is there all kinds of chaos, there's all kinds of conflict and disunity. But in Christ, there's unity. You see, in Christ, he wants to bring everyone together. And God's plan for this is a long-term plan. In verse 10, it says, as a plan... For the fullness of time. The fullness of time. It's not the only place in the Bible that God uses that phrase. In Galatians, he speaks about why he sent his son when he did. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. So there's those two spiritual blessings once again together, redemption and adoption. And the Bible says that God did it in the fullness of time. What, what does it mean, the fullness of time? It means that God was orchestrating this plan, and he was doing all these things, such as sending the prophets to prepare the people, giving us the scriptures, teaching us about sacrifice, everything that God was doing to orchestrate just the right time. And God, even in this moment, he knows when he's going to send his son again. It's going to happen in the fullness of time. God's plan to redeem the entire world is a long-range plan, and you and I are just one small part of it. And so by faith, we trust God, even when we can't draw out a blueprint explaining what he is doing in the moment. We, we trust him because his plan is to unite all things in him. You see, sin creates separation, but Christ offers unity. 
You say, I don't, I don't really understand how sin separates. If you read the first three chapters of the book of Genesis, prior to Adam and Eve's rebellion, you see a world that was in balance and harmony and peace with God and with itself. We find Adam and Eve there living amongst all the animals without any problems. We find Adam just conversing with God as you and I might talk face to face after the service today. No separation whatsoever. And yet after they sin, it brings death into the world. We don't live in a world where all the animals are in harmony. We don't live in a world in which we're in harmony with all the animals. We don't live in a world in which we're able to have close fellowship with God. We are separated because of sin. And yet the beautiful thing is that the Bible teaches that God wants to undo all the damage that sin has done. He wants to bring everything back together. And so verse 10, it says, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. You and I today, we, we've sinned. And so the Bible says we stand under the wrath of God because of our sin. We're separated from him because of sin. But the great news is that God wants to bless us by redeeming us. He wants to pay for our sin so that we no longer have to live with the eternal consequences of it. So that one day we can experience everything as God intended it to be before the fall. One day, we can stand face to face before God, even though he is holy and righteous and perfect, and we are sinful and imperfect and unrighteous, and yet we'll be able to stand before him. Because all of our shortcomings, all of our problems will be paid for and washed away by the blood of Christ. Because here's how a sacrifice works. A sacrifice is a substitute. The Bible teaches the wages of sin is death. And in the Old Testament, as people sinned, they earned death. But they weren't sacrificed by the priest. They offered an animal in their place. Do you remember the Passover? God brought these plagues upon the nation of Egypt so that Pharaoh would let his people go. And the final plague was a plague of the death of the firstborn. They got up the next morning, and in all the Egyptian households, the firstborn was dead. He said, well, but, but God, God spared his people. He did. But he did it by providing a substitute. You see, in the Israelites' homes, there was a death as well. But it was not the death of their firstborn. It was the death of a lamb. That's how sacrifice works. Someone else pays 
the penalty. And when Christ died on the cross, he paid the penalty for our sin. So that through his blood, he might purchase our forgiveness and our release. He did it because he's gracious and he loves you. And the Bible says he offers it as a free gift. So today, I want to ask you a very important question. Have you come to the point in your life that you believe this and have received this gift? If not, here's what you need to do. You simply need to speak to God in prayer. Tell him that you believe that you want to receive the gift of forgiveness and you want to live for him. That's all you need to do to be saved. Because you and I don't earn our salvation. We just receive it as a free gift. So in a moment, when we sing, if you've never made that decision, I want to invite you to make that decision right now. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for Christ who through his blood purchased our forgiveness. I pray that through faith we would live in obedience. Lord, may our faith and our trust be in you and in you alone. And Lord, I pray if there's a person here that's struggling to believe, struggling to accept this gift, I pray today that you draw them to yourself. I pray that you give them the faith to believe and to follow. For it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Maybe you've already received this gift. Do you know what Romans says? It says that he did this so that we might live in obedience. In obedience. Having believed and received the gift of forgiveness, God has a plan for our life. So as we sing today, would you just reflect on your life? And say, God, is there some area that I need to serve in? Is there some sin I need to give up? And if you're honest with God, I believe God will be honest with you. So let's leave here today able to celebrate that God has blessed us with the redemption through the blood of Christ. It's a gift offered. All you have to do is receive it. If you need help or you need someone to pray with you, that's why I'm standing at the front. If you'll step out from your seat and come, I'll help you make your decision and call on the Lord. Let's stand together as we respond.